A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi there, I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. I'm making some scones today, and I will tell you right now, I've never made these before. I found the recipe and was intrigued. I've never had a savory scone. They are always sweet when I tend to be drawn toward them. (laughs) So I thought these sounded like fun. And I was going to credit the recipe, but I find that it's really kind of all over the internet. I have found it on Simply Recipes and We Heart Recipes and JoyTheBaker.com. And so I don't know quite where the original started. So I won't credit it beyond that. This recipe is a little bit different in that you don't make it on a cookie sheet or in a scone pan, if you happen to be lucky enough to have one of those. You actually make it in a cast iron pan. The flavors that caught my attention are in the title. The title of this is Roasted Red Pepper Feta and Basil Skillet Scones. So being a big fan of feta and basil and of roasted red peppers. The combination in a scone sounded really good. So I am going to put these together and hopefully you'll join me in that process and we'll all see what we get at the same time. Hi there. This is an interjection after the fact. As I told you in the beginning before we started, I'd never made this recipe before. Having now made it and tasted it, I'm going to tell you here that the ingredient amounts you're about to hear are not what I recommend. I actually recommend more of several things. You can find the actual amounts that I'm recommending on the website, thecookalongpodcast.com. But please listen here now. When I made this podcast, I didn't list that you will need one to two tablespoons of olive oil. I do bring it up later in the podcast but it should be here in the ingredient list. That's the first change. The ingredients that you need for this. Let's talk about equipment first before we talk about ingredients. You're gonna need a nine to 10 inch cast iron skillet. And it says you can use a cake pan if you'd rather. If you don't have the cast iron skillet, it does change the cooking time. So you'll need one of those. You need a really sharp knife. We're gonna chop several things up here. You need a big bowl, a couple of big bowls, actually. So now let's talk about the ingredients. 
four to four and a half cups of all-purpose flour. And that is non-specific because it depends on how much you have to add to make it solid enough to actually handle and not be too sticky. You need a tablespoon of sugar, a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of baking soda, four tablespoons of unsalted butter. Here's another modification. Use salted butter. The final recipe turned out not to be salty enough. I'm hoping that using salted butter will correct that. You want it cold, so it should be in your refrigerator at least, and maybe even in the freezer for a short while before we do this. You need one large egg, one and three quarters of cups of buttermilk, and that should be cold, nice and cold as well. Here's a modification. You're going to need two cups of buttermilk total because we put some on the top of the bread when it's finished. You want one cup of coarsely chopped roasted red peppers. And you are welcome to roast your own. There are a lot of different instructions for doing that on the internet. I've seen them put it directly onto a gas stove burner and then turn it with some tongs until it turns all black. <laughs> and I have even heard of people doing it with a uh, cooking torch. I am going to open a jar. So I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, if you're going to do those fancy hard things, you're going to do them without me. You can buy roasted red peppers in a jar packed in water, and that's what I'm doing. You need a heaping half cup of coarsely crumbled feta cheese. And of course, feta cheese comes crumbled these days, so you can even just open a container for that as well. Another modification, I recommend more feta cheese. It wasn't noticeable enough. I would go up as far as a whole cup of the coarsely crumbled feta cheese. You need three tablespoons of coarsely chopped fresh basil. And it's hard to know how much that is going to be because until it's chopped, you really don't know how much space it's going to take up. Chances are good that it's going to take more leaves than you think it is because it sits pretty loosely until you pack it down. So I guess it might depend on how much you like basil and how much you want it in here and or how much you're actually growing or have purchased at the store. I try to grow my own every summer. This was the first year actually I tried to winter it over. I brought my plant inside and it sort of kind of worked. I didn't have a lot of basil. I couldn't have made pesto, but I did have enough to flavor the tops of pizzas all winter long, which was lovely. And it was still growing things as I went out to buy a brand new basil plant. Now I have both and one of them will go in the ground shortly. Anyway, it can be done. And I just really wanted to have basil year round and not have to go to the store and buy it every time. So if you're thinking about it, just be sure that you have your basil in a pot and look up how to do that online and then pay attention to it all winter. And it has to sit in a sunny window. And boy, did I just get off track. So shifting back, a correction here. I think it should be more basil. It wasn't enough basil to see or really to taste. So rather than three tablespoons, I recommend you use four tablespoons of coarsely chopped basil. Shifting back, the last ingredient in this printed recipe that I have here, I'm probably not going to use. And that is one teaspoon of coarsely ground black pepper. 
I might put a little pepper into the dough, but the intention here in this recipe is that black pepper's going on the top as a garnish, and I don't think I like pepper well enough to do that. I think I might actually sprinkle it really lightly with a little coarse ground sea salt instead, and maybe mix a little of the pepper into the dough itself so that it's not standing out quite so much. Here are the do-aheads. You want to put your oven rack in the top third of the oven. So move it up, and that way the bottom of the pan isn't going to burn. You want it somewhere in the top third of the oven, and then you want to turn your oven on to preheat to 425. I'm going to begin by doing all the filling ingredients. I have just gone outside and snipped some of my fresh basil and washed it, and I'm blotting it dry now. By the way, if you've got a plant, you want to take the leaves from the top because basil has a tendency to get what they call leggy, which means that the leaves all end up at the top and then you have these really long stems with nothing on them. But if you pick your leaves from the top, then it'll encourage it to sprout some stuff down further below. Now we're supposed to coarsely chop this, and I have no idea how many leaves this is going to take to get to three tablespoons. So I'm just chopping. I should be counting the leaves, but I already lost count. I think that was three. That might be one tablespoon. But you know, my size leaf isn't really very informative to you. These are pretty big leaves. I would say if you get one of those um, containers at the grocery store, if you ended up doing that rather than having a plant of your own, you're probably going to use about half of it. I'm pulling the leaves off the stems and chopping them up in what seems to me to match the description, coarsely chopped. It's the same thing I would do for a top of a homemade pizza. I don't like to leave the leaves whole. I like to spread them around for that. Okay, the second thing I'm going to chop up is the red peppers. And for this, we kind of want a lot. I have a jar comes from Delalo, which is a pasta company. It's not what I intended to buy, but it was the only one that the store ended up having. It's packed in water, and I know you can get some probably that are packed in oil. I think water is probably better if you can find that. And these are almost whole, these peppers. I'm pulling out now, wow, a huge, you know, I feel like there's only one pepper in here, and it's huge. Wow. This is a big jar. This is a 12-ounce jar. And I really feel like I pulled out a single pepper here, or even part of it, because the rest of it tore off and let fall back into the jar. And I may need it, because a cup is a lot. So I'm just chopping it in strips and then going crosswise to get chunks and putting it into my one cup measure to see how much. Oh, wow. Okay, that big piece I took out isn't even quite half of the cup. So I am going to tell you, I think it's going to take most of a 12-ounce jar. Gosh, how did they even get this in there? <laughs> how did they get a whole pepper into this little jar? <laughs> Some of these probably come chopped. This one didn't. All right, here comes the second batch. I'm adding that to the measuring cup now. This is going to come to about three-quarters of a cup. So here comes the last piece out of the jar. This one actually might be from a different pepper. I don't think so. 
So for future reference, there you go. It looks like you need about a 12-ounce jar of roasted red peppers if you're doing it my way. And if you're doing it on your own, you're roasting them, I think you're going to need more than one. Unless it's really big. I just am really surprised. Yeah, use the whole 12-ounce jar. The other thing that has to be ready to go before we can really start making the bread part is the cheese. And while I did buy this pre-crumbled, some of the pieces are really big and some of them are really almost powdery. So I'm going to sort through this and make some of these pieces a little smaller. It does say coarsely crumbled, so I'm thinking they want big pieces. We want a heaping half cup. Another modification. I recommend more feta cheese. It wasn't noticeable enough. I would go up as far as a whole cup of the coarsely crumbled feta cheese. So here I'm going to use a regular one cup measure. Boy, some of the pieces are really big. <laughs> and some of it is just dust. Kind of feta dust. Anyway, I'm filling this just beyond half. I bet I've got two-thirds of a cup here. I'm not worried about it. It's good stuff. And you know what? Thinking now about how much salt is in this feta... I probably won't put salt on the top. That's probably not a good plan. The oven is heating. The goodies are chopped up. Now we need to start making the actual scone part. Making scones is usually a pretty messy operation, and this is no exception. We're going to get our hands pretty dirty. Actually, you know what? Let's do one more do-ahead. The cast iron pan should be either well-coated in olive oil, or in vegetable shortening. I'm gonna use olive oil because it's faster and healthier. I just put probably two tablespoons in this pan and I am rolling it around, just turning the pan to distribute that. And actually now I'm gonna just use my fingers, spread the olive oil around the pan and up the sides. Hopefully you have a pretty well seasoned cast iron pan. I don't know how necessary this is in that circumstance. But a little olive oil also adds a nice flavor, so it can't be a bad thing. And with that done, we'll go back to the baking. Into a large bowl, we're going to put some flour. And as always, we're going to stir the flour up in the container. Your canister or your flour bag or whatever you're using, stir it up first to get it so that it's not packed down and dense. And then spoon it into your cup. And we're going to start with four cups. Scoop it in with a spoon, level it off at the top, dump it in the bowl. Stir up the flour again if you need to. If you used all the fluffy top stuff, go ahead and stir it up again so that you're only scooping the fluffy part. Flatten that off with the handle of the spoon, dump it in the bowl. All right, there's number three. And one more. This is more flour than the scones I have cooked recently. But it's a different animal, right? It's for dinner or I guess brunch, brunch, breakfast. See, I don't want these for breakfast. I suppose they'd be nice with a quiche, but I want something sweet. All right, so the flour is now scooped into the bowl. Now we're gonna add a tablespoon of sugar, a teaspoon of baking soda. Yeah, see, this is salty too. And then a teaspoon of salt. So never mind what I said about coarse salt on the top. I think that would be dangerous. I think that's going to make it too salty. I still think I don't want the pepper on the top. I'm going to grind a little bit in right now. Right in with this, and not a ton of it at that. Freshly ground black pepper is very assertive, 
and even mine right now is mostly white pepper, so it's less assertive, but I still feel timid about it. I know that many people love pepper, in which case do what I say and not what I do, which is save that pepper for the top, and it'll get sprinkled on later. All right, now we're going to kind of stir this together. You can use a whisk if you want. Just get it all fluffed together and mixed well. Now, that four tablespoons of cold butter, which is half of a stick if you're using your typical stick. And what we want to do with that half a stick is cut it into small pieces. I'm just going to kind of whittle it and then add it to the flour mixture, but I am just using my little paring knife and I'm cutting off little bits. This is also what I do when I'm buttering the top of a fruit pie I'm about to put in the oven. That's inside the crust. Don't imagine that I'm putting butter on the top of a pie, I'm not. But I'm just whittling the pieces in here because what we're gonna do next is the same thing you usually have to do with scones, which is using your fingers, work the butter into the flour until you get sort of a coarse, mealy stuff. And this one does not have to be really tiny pieces, but you want your pieces of butter cut into there kind of small, which is why I'm just deciding to chop off little bits rather than sit here and cube it. That seems to me as though I'm likely to make the pieces too big. Sometimes we grate butter in a box grater before putting them into a flour mixture like this. We're not doing that this time because we actually want some of these pieces of butter to be a little bigger than would come out when you grate it. If you were to decide you wanted to try the grater, you go ahead. But in that case, I really recommend that your butter be frozen. I keep butter in my freezer anyway because I buy it when it's on sale because it's too stinking expensive. So anytime there's a sale, like Thanksgiving or spring Easter thing. I buy a lot of it and I put it in my freezer. All of that is unimportant at the moment. Now we have four tablespoons of bits of butter in the flour mixture. And what we're going to do now is get our hands down in there and break up the butter. Once it's coated in the flour, you get little bits you can actually separate with your fingers. You want to make them smaller so that all the butter gets kind of mixed in and some of the bits of butter are gonna be the size of small peas, and some of them may be smaller, like the size of a, an oat flake, oatmeal flake. You know what I'm talking about. And so we're just squeezing the flour and the butter together, and anytime your fingers find a largish piece of butter, squish it. Squish it and make it smaller. And this is gonna take a few minutes. So I think I'm gonna go away and leave you to it, you know what the butter is supposed to look like now, right? Either the size of small peas or size of oat flakes all mixed in with the flour. So go ahead and go do that. Just keep squeezing it and squishing those pieces of butter until it looks like that. And then come back and we'll add the wet ingredients. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Alrighty, set your dry ingredients aside. And now we're gonna mix up the wet ingredients. So start with your egg, one large egg, and crack that into a separate bowl. Check and make sure there's no shell in there where there shouldn't be any. Then whisk your egg a bit. You wanna just sort of scramble it up a little bit using a whisk or a fork, whatever's handy. And then we're going to put in the buttermilk. And that is almost two whole cups of that. One and three quarters cups, which I will tell you right now is almost a pint. If you have a one pint container, you're going to use almost all of it. Because what we don't use here, we'll use later. Put that in with the egg. And then we're going to whisk that up together. So now you have this glorious buttery looking mixture of an egg and buttermilk. Boy, you can sure smell that buttermilk. Now, before we do this next part, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to dump this in to the dry ingredients all at one time. And then if you got a wooden spoon, that's great. If you don't, a silicone spoon will work. It's because the dough is going to be sticky. We're going to dump all of this straight into the dry ingredients. And then we're going to stir it with the spoon until every bit of flour is moistened with the buttermilk. Well, here, let's do that part. So dump the buttermilk slash egg all in with the flour and butter mixture and stir it up. One of the things we want to do here is be sure that everything gets really well incorporated without being stirred so much that the dough is going to be tough and dry. Don't like dry scones. Don't like them when they're sweet. I don't imagine I would be any happier with them when they're savory. So just kind of slowly, so you don't spill flour all over, gently stir it from the bottom up to get the buttermilk and the flour mixed in together. Now, it's still kind of floury. There's a lot of dry parts. There's the sticky parts. Now is when we're going to add all of these fun things we chopped up. So the red pepper, 
the basil, and the feta all go in now. We're doing this again so that we don't over stir it. We don't want to wait until it's all stirred up before we add these things because then adding these things will mean we stir too much. Now stir it a little bit just until all of those things are stirred in. Not so that it's like perfectly ready to cook. You're still going to have some loose flour. Your stuff is going to be, it's not going to look like a batter or even really a dough. It's just going to be this conglomerate of dry stuff, wet stuff, red stuff, green stuff. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Think of it that way. That will work. Now, what we want to do, and you can do this two ways, is we want to knead this together into a ball. We want like an eight inch, we're going to flatten it into a disc after we sort of knead it together. Now the instructions suggest flouring a cutting board and turning all of this shaggy, lumpy, sticky mess out onto the cutting board and sort of kneading it together with your hands. I have decided I'm going to try to do it in the bowl, but it definitely needs a little more flour. There's no question. So I'm sprinkling a little more flour over the top. And at this point, I'm going to do this with my hands. Whether it's on your counter or in the bowl, you're going to do it with your hands at this point. It's very gooey. It's very sticky. And yet there are flour parts that are just sitting here completely unstirred in. It's sort of like kneading it, but think of it more as mixing it because you don't want to over knead it or it's going to get tough. And every time it just seems too sticky to you, put a little more flour on it and keep working it together. We don't want to over knead it. I guess I said that a few times, so I must mean it. Oh yeah, it's very, very, very sticky. So I've turned it over in this bowl. Now I'm going to add some more flour, providing I can get all this dough off my hands enough to get to the scoop. Stirring, kneading, squeezing. I'm just sort of turning it over and squeezing it in my hands a little bit, trying to get it a little less sticky. When it's sort of kind of still a little moist and pretty shaggy, we're going to gather it into as much of a ball as we can, which is really a very rough approximation. And in fact, I'm really glad I left this in the bowl. I don't believe I could pick this up if it was not in the bowl. So much of it is actually stuck to my hands, <laughs> which is also typical of scones. Probably going to have to use a spoon or a something to get this off of my fingers. But right now, it's still really sticky. It's very shaggy. I don't think I want to add more flour, even though if I had it out on the counter, I would do that because I wouldn't be able to pick it up. I don't really want more flour in here because I don't want it to get dry. So I'm going to cook it the way it is, which means I'm going to take this bowl now, this, this mixing bowl, which is kind of round, and I'm going to dump it and turn it over upside down into this cast iron pan. And then scoop out the rest with my fingers. Because why not at this point? It's not like I have to keep my hands clean. Oh yeah, how am I going to get this off my hands and into the pan? I don't know. I'm patting it now into the pan. And here's where I really need something 
I guess I'll try the silicone spoon. Yeah, that'll work. I'm scraping off each individual finger, which is slathered in sticky dough that's hanging off of every finger. And you probably are in the same boat. Otherwise, I'd be embarrassed to say this to you because it sounds really disgusting. And actually, it looks a little disgusting. Oh my gosh, yep, my fingers are webbed with this stuff. But I'm looking at some basil flakes here and some feta that are coming off my fingers as I scrape. I definitely want to get those back down in. It's just weird to have those kinds of things stuck to my hand. But it makes me excited. These smell good. I guess mostly the smell is of red pepper. Okay, I'm not sure I can get any more of this off. I think that's as good as it gets. And of course, now it's all over the spoon, and I'm using my finger to get it off the spoon, which puts it back on my finger. And then I want to use the spoon also to scrape the rest of it out of the bowl. This is where having chosen a silicone spoon over a wooden one is probably pretty handy, because it cleans a bowl pretty effectively. And again, with the fingers to get that into the pan. All right, now I'll tell you what. Ugh, yeah, all over my hands again. Let's wash hands, and then I think we're going to try patting this down. We're going to flour our hands first. So I've got the mess in the pan, making sure to get all the bits of basil and feta and red pepper, especially down in there. And the rest is just stuck to my hands, and that's what it's going to be. All right, so go wash your hands. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pour a little flour over one hand, rub my hands together. So now I have my hands coated in flour a little bit and just really quickly and lightly pat this out to fit the shape of the pan. Yeah, and I think a little more flour on my right hand wouldn't hurt. Yeah, once it gets sticky with the dough, the flour actually sticks to it better. Well, this is certainly not in anybody's imagination even. And I don't think I'm going to worry about it. It's going to rise anyway. So wash your hands again. It's funny, it looks like some kind of dip more than some kind of bread. And then we're going to take a really sharp knife, slash halfway across. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> this is the instructions, not me, okay? And then you'd go perpendicular to that, and you make another deep slash. This makes it decorative, but it doesn't define the eight scones you're going to have. So I'm actually going to do each of those in half as well so that it marks my eight scones. When they come out of the oven, I have lines for them. And I cannot use this knife. It has become too sticky. I have a serrated steak knife. I'm going to try using that. And actually, I'm going to dip it in flour first. Oh, that's silly. It didn't stick. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but nothing stuck to it. <laughs> so never mind about that piece. And I am more patting this into a line than I am cutting it. It doesn't cut. It's, it's silly to say you could cut this stuff. It's goopy. It's sticky. How can anybody say you could cut this? And yet... Everybody's instructions say to cut this deep line in your dough at this point. Oh, heck with them. Either I'll have lines or I won't. What a mess. All right. Well, I told you I hadn't made this before. Now, the buttermilk we have left. We're going to use a pastry brush or a spoon. 
and spread the buttermilk really generously over the top. Just spread the whole top with what's left of the buttermilk. You should have maybe as much as a quarter cup. I don't even know that it'll be that much. And using a pastry brush or a spoon, spread that over the top of all the scones so that they've all got this little coating of buttermilk, which will help them brown as well as helping with the flavor and provide a nice sticking surface as though we needed it to be stickier than this, <laughs> for the next step if you're deciding to use the peppercorns. This is the point where if you're going to put your pepper on top, you want to do that. Just grind about a teaspoon of black pepper over the top before we bake it. Lo and behold, this cast iron pan goes right into your oven. We're going to bake it for 35 to 45 minutes, and the way we'll know when to take it out is that the top will be a deep golden color, and a skewer or toothpick inserted in the middle is going to come out clean. Like I said, if you're using a regular cake pan instead of a cast iron pan, you want to check it a little earlier. Check it in about 30 minutes to see if your skewer will come out clean. So in it goes. And setting the timer, always use the lowest time first. We're going to set the timer for 35 minutes and see how it is at that point. After you take it out of the oven, you're going to want to let it sit and rest in the pan for about 10 minutes before trying to serve it, at which point you can cut it into eight pieces. You want to serve it warm. It's best served straight from the oven or warm. When I say straight from the oven, I mean after that 10 minutes, and it's best the day that it's made. I'm sure you can seal this tightly and freeze it if you have leftovers, but I wouldn't leave it sitting on the counter for the next day. I don't really need to tell you anything more than this on these. I haven't tried them. I'm serving them tonight with a beautiful big green salad. That's it. The green salad is the main dish with lettuce, tomatoes, carrots, cucumber, you know, the usual suspects. But I'm also going to put in some little cubes of aged sharp Gouda cheese and some dry roasted and salted pistachios. And then I'm going to throw in some canned mandarin orange slices as well. And that's what our main dish will be accompanying the scones here. You can think about something like that for your dinner. If you feel like salad is not your thing, this would also be good with soup or with some sort of egg dish. We've already talked about quiche. And you know, a dinner quiche, I would be happy to have something like this with. It's just the breakfast ones. I want something sweet with it. If you have other thoughts, either about this recipe or variations to this recipe or what you wanted to serve with it, go to my Facebook page and leave me a comment either in my feed or send me a private message. I will see it and send you a reply if you want one. Also, always remember you can visit the website, thecookalongpodcast.com, for some great cooking tips in the form of blogs and terrific recipes that are all fun to make and mostly pretty easy for desserts, dinners, salads, soups, cookies, because I love them. The other places you can find me are my Patreon page, where you can contribute to the podcast. It's also where I post actual printable recipes of things that I have just posted online as podcasts. So as a subscriber to Patreon, you can get the actual printed recipe the same day that the recipe is podcast. And you can also find me, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, where I will post these things as well. Go enjoy your scones. Let me know what you think of them. And until next time, happy cooking.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Ko-fi ko-fi.com slash the cook along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.